We're so glad you decided to join us for this week's message. Trey is teaching on the subject of overlooked. We're all guilty of overlooking things at times. Drawing from the example of Jacob's life, we see some key things he overlooked that God was showing him. Perhaps we might be overlooking some of the same things. So let's listen in to what God desires to speak over us. Genesis chapter 28 is where I need you guys to make your way tonight. I figured it's the start of a new semester. You guys have had a lot of things thrown in your direction already, so why not make it easy and give you the very first book of the Bible to find your way to tonight. You spend the rest of the semester digging around in books full of pages. Let's make it easy tonight, and we'll just stay in the front. So Genesis chapter 28, the very first book that we encounter in God's Word is where I believe we'll find the message tonight that God has laid on my heart to share with you guys. And As you're getting there, I'm going to share something personal with you. I have a bad habit of overlooking things. And you ladies, if you marry one day, I think you'll find out real quick that this is something that all men struggle with uh, to a certain level. Like the other day, my wife had asked me to go into the pantry and get some plastic forks. Well, I knew for a fact that three weeks ago there were no plastic forks in that pantry. So as she asked me to go in there and get the plastic forks, I said, there's no forks in there. And I walked in there anyway, and as quick as I walked in, I looked and I turned around and I walked back out and I said, see, there's no plastic forks. I told you there weren't any in there. And she says, I know there's some in there. And she walks in there and walks right to the shelf and picks up a whole box of like a 300 count of plastic forks. And she's like, I'm like, my bad. I have a bad habit of overlooking things. But I think that we're all guilty of overlooking things at times. For example, how many of you have ever looked and looked and looked and looked and looked for your phone while it was in your hand? <laughs> I know more of y'all are guilty than that than want to lead on. It can be frustrating when we overlook things. It can be extra frustrating when we overlook the obvious. And in Genesis chapter 28, we're going to encounter a man named Jacob. And just to catch you up to speed in the story, at this point in the narrative, Jacob has just recently been blessed by his father, Isaac. It was a blessing that actually belonged to his older brother, Esau. But Jacob was a deceiver. Actually, his name means that very thing, one who deceives. And so what Jacob did was kind of underhanded. He dressed up as his brother Esau because Isaac was old and his age and his eyesight had kind of gotten bad and he couldn't see as good anymore. So Jacob dressed up as his brother Esau while he was out in the fields hunting and he snuck into his dad's bedroom and he acted like he was Esau and he tricked Isaac into giving him his blessing. And afterwards, Isaac has sent Jacob on a journey to go and find a wife for himself. And that's where we pick up the story tonight in Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10. And God's word tells us this, that Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, which is the place that Isaac had told him to go and find a wife from. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Now just to give you a little added information, the length of distance that Jacob was having to travel to go and find this wife was 550 miles so I know some of you seem like your journey is long in trying to find a husband or trying to find a wife and you feel like it may never happen, but just be grateful you don't have to walk on foot 550 miles to go looking for one. And Jacob was tired and he came to a certain place and 
he stayed there for the night. And it says, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Apparently Jacob forgot to pack his my pillow with him, so he had to make do with what he had, so he falls asleep on top of a stone. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. It's not a pillow anymore. It's a pillar. And I know in the south that can kind of be used interchangeably, but they are actually different things. And he poured the oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. The subject of our message tonight I'm calling Overlooked. God has promised to bring forth a great nation from Jacob, a blessing, remember, that he actually took from his older brother Esau. And so now as we pick up on the story, he's journeying to find a wife, but at the same time he's journeying to find a wife, he's also running from his brother who, by the way, had promised to kill Jacob for what he had done to him. And so you would probably be running, too, if your sibling had made a serious vow to actually take your life from you. So it's safe to say that Jacob has a lot of stuff going on in his life right now. He's stressing out a little bit. And the same might be true in your life as you walked into these doors tonight. You might have a lot of stuff going on right now. You might be stressing out just a little bit and as Jacob is stressing, he begins to become sleepy. and So he gets tired from traveling. and He stops to sleep for the night, and that's when God speaks to Jacob through a dream. And so often God has to wait until we pass out from exhaustion to speak because we won't slow down long enough to listen. And there were some things that Jacob had been overlooking recently. And so as we look at these things that he had been overlooking I want you guys to examine your hearts personally as well and see if maybe you're overlooking some of the same things in your life that Jacob was overlooking. So let's go back to verse 13 for a second and I want us to pick apart the passage that we just read and see the things that Jacob was looking over in his life. And The second part of verse 13, God's speaking to Jacob. He says, I am the Lord, a God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. The first thing that Jacob was overlooking was God's promise. God had promised Jacob that through him he would bring a great nation, which would ultimately become what we know nowadays as the nation of Israel. But as God speaks to Jacob in the dream, we see that he's reminding Jacob of that promise. And Jacob was in a time of transition, and Jacob was in a time of trouble in his life, and so he had somewhat forgotten about the promises that God had made him. So as God speaks to him in the dream, he just gives him a subtle reminder of the things that he had promised to do in and through his life. And How many of you are thankful for the reminders and 
the reassurances that God brings into our life daily. And Jacob had allowed the situation and the circumstances of his life to cause him to overlook God's promise. He's tired and he's weary and he knows that he still has a long, long, long way to go on his trip. And on top of that, he's looking over his shoulder for Esau the whole time. Imagine spending the better portion of your life constantly looking back behind you to see if the person that is threatened to kill you is actually going to follow up on their threat. And so Jacob's looking over his shoulder. And what I found to be true in my life is that when I'm in those kind of situations where I'm constantly looking over, then at the same time I'm more than likely overlooking. And so Jacob's doing just that. He's overlooking the promise that God had made him. And it doesn't even make sense because, see, when we're in times of turmoil, when we're in times of stress, we don't think rationally during those moments. All we can think about is the next day in front of us and how we're going to get through this next trial, how we're going to make it through this next day because the weight is so heavy and we almost can't bear it anymore. And then your health begins to deteriorate. And you have hair that begins to fall out. And you don't have an appetite any longer. And your, your energy is just zapped and you don't feel like doing anything anymore. And so you begin to stop thinking rationally. And at this point, Jacob has stopped thinking rationally. I mean, how could God follow through on His promise if He allowed Jacob to die? You can't bring a great nation from someone who's dead. And so Jacob's overlooking the promise right now because of the situations and the circumstances that life has handed him. And sometimes, you know, we get so caught up in our circumstances that we overlook the promises God has made to us. All we do is we fixate on the fact that our family's falling apart. We, fix, we fixate on the fact that we can't pass that required exam. We fixate on the fact that we can't seem to keep a relationship together. Or we fixate on the fact that we barely have enough money to pay the bills at the end of each month. And here's the deal, when we begin to fixate and when we begin to focus on those things, we forget that God promises to replace our anxiety with His peace, Philippians 4. We forget that He promises to provide all that we need, Matthew 6. We forget that He promises to strengthen and uphold us with His righteous right hand, Isaiah 41. Listen, guys, I don't know every one of your backgrounds. I don't know every one of your situations. But can you just trust tonight that God could use a vessel like me to speak some truth in your life that you may not have ever thought you would encounter here? It just proves in testimony to how real He is. And I don't care what situation or what circumstance that you walked in here with tonight. Like Jacob, maybe you just need to be reminded that you have a God that is for you. On the flip side of that, some of you have been overlooking God's promise to save. In Jacob's dream, he saw a ladder, right? What was the ladder doing? It was stretching from the earth up into the heavens. But can I give you some good news tonight? I don't know if you noticed or not. But as Jacob's looking at that ladder, the text doesn't tell us that Jacob went up the ladder. The text tells us that God came down the ladder. And he stood by Jacob. That's what salvation is. That's what the ladder symbolized. It symbolized God's plan of salvation for all humanity when he would send his son down to this earth 
in the form of Jesus Christ. And He would bridge the gap that our sin had caused between us and Him. You can never climb your way up to heaven and God knew that. That's not why He put the ladder there. He didn't put the ladder there and say, "All right, Jacob, come on up, man. Jacob was tired. Jacob was weary. You know what sin does? It will cause you to be tired. It will cause you to be weary. It will cause you to want to lay down and sleep on top of a rock for crying out loud. So when God sent the ladder down, he didn't say, all right, Jacob, work your way up. He said, no, I'll come down to you. That's good news. That's the grace and mercy of our God, that in our sin, he would come down and stand beside us. You're not working your way into heaven. You can't do it. You are incapable of repairing the relationship that your sin broke. But God built a bridge and gave a promise that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. Some of you have been overlooking God's promise to save. You see the ladder, but you're too busy trying to climb up it. Stop climbing. God's already came down. All you have to do is submit your life to Him in faith and trust His plan of salvation. Have you been overlooking God's promise? And you know, it wasn't just God's promise that Jacob had been overlooking. The second thing we see that he was overlooking was God's presence. So after Jacob wakes up from the dream, notice what he says in verse 16. So the dream's over, then he, he wakes up and he comes to himself. In verse 16, he says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. God had promised Jacob that his presence would be with him and that his presence had been with him. And yet somehow Jacob had become unaware of it. How was that possible? How could God's presence have been with Jacob the whole time and yet he was completely unaware of it? Why did it take God having to speak to him through a dream to show him these things to where he would finally come to the realization, oh, Surely, the presence of the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. What do you mean, Jacob? We got the almighty, powerful creator, God of the universe, in your midst, and you don't know it? We got to do better than that. Once again, he's just simply overlooking it. He's overlooking it, and can I tell you why I think that is? I believe Jacob thought there was no way that God's presence could be in the place that he found himself in. Because he had had some screw-ups. He had made some mistakes. Jacob had told some lies. He had deceived some people. He would made some people mad, and he knew it. He knew that he wasn't innocent in this whole ordeal. And so I think that he really began to believe as he's walking towards Haran, and he's thinking, man, I've really just messed things up. I've really made a big, stinking mess of things. I tricked my dad. I deceived my brother. Now he's so mad he wants to kill me. There's no way I can ever go back home. And as he begins to walk down this long road, all that Jacob has is his thoughts. And can I tell you that when the devil can get a hold of an idle mind, he can have a field day. And he begins to walk down the road and he's like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have nobody to go to, no one to turn to. 
I've made a big mess of things. And so I really believe that Jacob began to think there's no way God's presence could be in this place where I find myself right now. So can I suggest this? That once he began to believe that thought, he simply never bothered to look. So it makes me wonder, how many of us are overlooking God's presence simply because we aren't looking? But after God spoke to Jacob, here's the upside of it. After God speaks to Jacob in the dream, Jacob begins to realize that God's presence can be found in the most unlikely places. Amen? And so like Jacob, I think oftentimes we think that we're too messed up, that we've made too many mistakes, that, that we've gotten too deep, that there's no way we can climb ourselves out of the hole that we've dug and put ourselves in. And so we stop looking for God's presence because our mind's already made up when my wife asked me to go in the pantry and look for the forks in my mind I already had it made up that there weren't any in there and so I walked in and even though they were eye level with me on the shelf I never saw them and I think sometimes in our mind we already have it made up that God's presence can't be in this place and so we walk in and we look right at them but then we turn around and we walk back out because our mind's already made up that he's not there and we overlook his presence. Because so often in our mind we think that God has left us in the struggle. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to admit that or not. But I know we're not so holy, most of us. We're not so righteous to think that we haven't at times thought that God has just left us in the struggle that we're in. That our parents' divorce is our problem to deal with. That our lustful addictions are just our problem to deal with. That our depression is just our struggle to overcome on our own. But can I tell you that if you belong to him, his presence is with you. God promises to all of his children to give them the presence of his indwelling Holy Spirit within us. Wherever you go, he goes. And so it's not just his presence that we find in unlikely places. It's also that his presence fills unlikely people, which is each and every one of us. There is nothing special about any of us in this place in and of ourselves but when God's presence fills a bunch of unlikely people they begin to do a lot of extraordinary things he hasn't left you and he has not forsaken you and if my mind is set on knowing that my God is with me then guess what I will begin to purposely seek his presence in every moment because my mind is set on it. I might walk into the hardest trial I've ever been in my life, but my mind is set on the promise that my God is with me, and so I see him in it. I might walk through the greatest times of my life, but my mind is set that my God is with me, so I see him in the greatest times. I'll walk through the deepest valleys this life has to offer, but my mind is set that my God is with me, and I see him every step of the way. So my question here is, have you been overlooking God's presence? When Jacob realized the presence of God was with him, he made another exclamation. Look in verse 17. So in verse 16 he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And then look at what he says in verse 17. And he was afraid. And he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. 
And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. When Jacob realized the presence of God was with him, he said, how awesome is this place? And then he took the same hard stone that he had slept on the night before and he set it up as a pillar unto God. Listen to me. God can take your hardest moments in life and turn them into monuments for his glory. After that, Jacob renamed the place that he was at Bethel, which literally means house of God. And so he renames the place that was once called Luz and he gives it a new name. He calls it Bethel, which means the house of God. Because listen to me, when the power of God falls, it has a habit of taking whatever or whoever is impacted through a renaming process. God has the power to rename any situation that you are currently in. I hope from the bottom of my heart you guys are hearing this tonight. And all of this sounds really good, but Jacob was actually still overlooking the fullness of God's purpose. God was trying to teach Jacob that he would be with him at all times and all places. The promise was, Jacob, I'll be with you wherever you go. It doesn't matter if you're in this place or if you're in the next place or if you're in the next place. I'll be with you wherever it is that you go. But Jacob became too fixated on this place. When Jacob woke up from the dream, notice what he said. He said, how awesome is this place? Look at it in, in verse 17. How awesome is this place? And then we said the same word again. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Yes, God did something awesome in Jacob's life. But Jacob became so fixated on this place that he missed the fullness of the purpose that God had for him. It wasn't until 20 years later that Jacob began to see the purpose in what God showed him that night. 20 years later that it came full circle for him and he saw the fullness of the purpose. 20 years go by. How many of you in this room are 20 years old? 20 years, your whole life went by before Jacob finally came to a realization of what actually took place that night. And when we catch up with him in Genesis chapter 35, 20 years have gone by. Jacob's got a family now. He's been through some trials. He's fought some battles. He's had some good moments and he's had some hardships. And in Genesis chapter 35, God calls him to go back to Bethel. Bethel is the place where he was just at. And God calls him to go back where he had the dream. And listen to what God's word tells us in Genesis 35. It says, God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. And so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make and there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. That's it, Jacob. You got it now. It only took him 20 years, but he finally realized it. Let's make an altar to the God who has been with me in my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Jacob finally realized, do you see it? He finally realized it's not just how awesome is this place, it's how awesome is this place. God's purpose for us tonight, men and women, 
isn't just for us to come here and experience His presence and say, how awesome is this place? His purpose is for us to carry His presence with us wherever we go. So it's not just how awesome is this place, but when we leave and we carry His presence to our campus, it becomes how awesome is this place? When we go to the athletic field, it becomes how awesome is this place? When we go to our sororities, it's how awesome is this place? Our fraternities, how awesome is this place? Our classrooms, how awesome is this place? Our jobs, how awesome is this place? Why is it awesome? Not because of the place, but because of whose presence was in that place. You believe God has purpose for your life? Have you been overlooking it? It's not God's desire that it takes any one of you the next 20 years to finally figure it out. What have you been overlooking? He's been trying to teach you. Thanks for listening to the message. We pray that God has spoken to you through his word and that you have been reminded of his promise, presence, and purpose in your life. Be sure to check back in next week as we begin a new series here at Life.